the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. You can find us all over the place on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. You can also find us on Twitter now at, at Common Good Talk. You can call us on your telephone. That's right. Your smartphone also makes phone calls. 312-660-2594. And wherever it is you get podcasts, if that is your jam, please like, subscribe, review, and maybe, just maybe, hit that little share button, send it to a loved one and say, listen to these guys. Can you believe they're still on the air? That kind of comment really helps us out a whole lot. But maybe my favorite part of this show, to be honest, is having guests. We've had so yeah. many different unique guests that uh, not only I think are incredibly talented, but bring a lot of insight to topics that Brian and I have sometimes not even thought about. And uh, I'm really, really excited to welcome to the studio for the very first time, Aaron and Jeremy. Welcome, gentlemen. <laughs> you both just applauded yourself. I, I love that. No, what are you talking about? It's like 100 people. Like in this, room. this room is packed full of people right now. In front of our studio <laughs> live yeah. studio audience. Okay, so they are in a band called Graveyards to Gardens, and uh, there's their involvement, I'll just be honest, I'm a big fan not only of the two of you, but your music, yeah. and Judson mm-hmm. University is also your alma mater, mm-hmm. plays yeah. a big part in your life, so I'd love... First and foremost, just each of you to kind of introduce yourself to an audience that maybe doesn't know you or anything about you. Tell us about your music. Tell us about your heart. Uh, anything that you'd like to share by way of introduction, go for it. Um, yeah, my name is Aaron Andrews. Um, as Ian said, uh, we're in Graveyards to Gardens. We both went to Judson University. That's where we met. Mm-hmm. Um, we're products of the DCWPA, which is the DeMoss Center for Worship and the Performing Arts. Uh, that's kind of where we first learned how to do what we do as a band. Um, but for me personally, I've been playing in bands my most of my whole life right uh, i grew up in washington dc so moving to the midwest was like a a very new yeah it's not the same thing so <laughs> no very different yes. <laughs> um but i loved it i loved um growing up in dc i'm still really close with a lot of my family out there i'm uh, first gen american my mom's jamaican my dad's guyanese oh wow and, hmm. uh so like right now i've been haven't been home in a while so i'm really missing some curry chicken <laughs> yes yes and like some curry goat and oxtail and all the stuff that weirds people out whenever i tell them what i like to eat does deep dish pizza help squelch no. that <laughs> not even close <laughs> they, they, they you don't consider that pizza I, I don't consider that pizza i call it a pie yeah, it's Thank more you. lasagna than pizza. Yeah, You're for not sure. Wrong. It's more lasagna. Now, do they have those things at uh, Portillo's, though? Is the, no. Deep dish? Curry chicken. They do? Oxtail. No, I'm joking. If, oh. <laughs> that'd be a very they dangerous thing for me <laughs> if it was. Good job, Brian. <laughs> Starting to show off strong today. <laughs> <laughs> Starting the show to Brian has a tally mark behind him. Yes. He's like nailed it. Nope. <laughs> this joke landed. This, this joke landed. Uh, I gotta make a comeback. Here we go. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, Jeremy and I, we've been doing uh, ministry together for, geez, what, six, seven years now. Nice. Six. Oh, going on seven. Going on mm-hmm. seven. And um, <laughs> it was it was just kind of cool. I remember the first time meeting Jay, and we learned very quickly that we had history with each other even mm. before we knew yep. each other. Mm. Wow. Yep. Um, so it was very clear that God was doing something here with us. And uh, like, even like, thank you to you, Ian, like you're yeah. one of the first people to really champion us and give us opportunities oh, to thanks, succeed and to fail. And yeah. um, <laughs> yep. uh, just for us to just kind of cut our teeth a little bit. And so mm. it's, it's been an incredible journey so far. We've learned a ton over the years and yeah, we love what we get to do. That's mm. awesome. All right, Jeremy, how would you introduce yourself? Hey, I'm Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> um, Classic so bass player. I, yeah. So Ian even said it. I play bass in the band. Um, I am also the social media manager, designer, mm. like artist in residence for yep. everything. So nice. video, any content that you may find on social media platforms. Um, that's me. Yeah. So I do anywhere all. or just for the band. And, and, just, and, and, well, all, you know, good. All, you know that golden <laughs> arch thing from McDonald's. That's me. Uh, <laughs> so you're the architect from Truman Show. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's, all, it's all you. So there's a. <laughs> he set up the matrix. I, I'm the keymaker. I'm the keymaker. Morpheus. Yeah. So yeah, like Aaron said, both of us went to Judson. Mm-hmm. Um, and we met my sophomore year. I think that was considered like what your junior year because you transferred in. Well, since so, my like credits that. didn't transfer over, it yeah. felt more like a freshman. freshman year. We, <laughs> it. we just did grind my gears. If you guys want to <laughs> that grind my gears. tackle another one. That's, um, that's number three on the yeah, list yeah, for me. But we met um, in classes at first, and then realized just through a lot of like mutual connections um, growing up, hmm. like the people that he grew up with in his church and the people that I grew up with in middle school and high school at the church I went to, mm-hmm. everyone knew each other oh, somehow. Wow. So like, we were like, wait, you know this person. Oh, I know this person. I've known this person for a decade, you know. Um, oh, that's wild. Yeah, and yeah. I was in D.C. and he was in Wisconsin. Yeah. So it, no. it, yeah, it's it, crazy. it doesn't yeah. really make sense. No. So, but, yeah. I'm, I'm curious where the band name comes from. I love it. Graveyards to Gardens. Where Ooh. where did that come from? Romans 6. Ah, biblical. Yeah, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh. Anyone from your church listening is so proud. Like, okay, like, he knows oh, Romans. Oh, so like, do they have oh. good theology too? There you go. Um, right, no. so, uh, yeah, unpack that a little bit. Romans yeah. six. What, what, what does that say? Um, that's just kind of like the our mission statement. The mm. actual name itself was actually taken from a book that we didn't read when we were in <laughs> college. Um, it wasn't a Warren Anderson class, was it? No, no absolutely no, not. No, no. I read everything Warren no. gave me, and that's the truth. Good man. Um, good man. It's. I believe the book was called Shadow of the Galilean. Yeah. Oh, I yep. read that book. Yep. Yeah. Too, yeah. Yep. Yeah, Air we read quote, it. Read it. No, oh, I actually read that yeah. one. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. And um, I can't remember if it was you or somebody else that was in the group at that time. There's a couple friends that started out with us who yeah. are just moved on to do different things. And mm. um, the name just kind of stuck out. Yeah. And uh, we toyed with the idea of potentially starting a band. Um, because at that point, there's a guy in the band. His name's Eli. We uh, we stayed in the dorm together and we mm. jam on guitars all the time. And uh, he played on a on-campus worship team called Upper Room. And yeah, so Jen Upper was Room. There. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, Gavin Buckland, he's a good friend. He was on that team too. And yeah. So we started toying with the idea of starting a band, and we weren't really sure yet. But Jeremy went ahead and just started like an official <laughs> I made, Facebook I made page. A Facebook page. No, <laughs> no one. Here's the thing. I just, I just did it. No one gave me permission. I was just like, oh, we're a band. We're, we're a band. We're just a band. We're just like, so we're it went together. from a casual conversation it went to like, from hey guys, zero you're a page. to a hundred very like quickly. That. 
It's yeah. awesome. It's like that Seinfeld episode where George just keeps showing up at the. the <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. Is that kind of your mo? By the way, I like I heard things. a whisper of a conversation. I've also built a website. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Also, we have t-shirts now. Yeah. Yeah. And then I drag yeah. my feet very slowly. So we try to meet mm. somewhere in the middle. Yeah. So oh, interesting. Yeah. So your dynamic, even personality-wise, is pretty different. It right? is. Yeah. What's that like in a band context yeah. when the two of you? Who are kind of like the anchor of the band, right? Yeah. And I know and care for both of you deeply, by the sure. way. I'm so grateful you guys are doing this. Yeah, but you are vastly different people yeah. and you bring different skill sets. Uh, we got you for the whole hour, but like, how would you, how would you set that up? Like, what is it like being in a band together, mm-hmm. being so vastly different? I would, I would say it's very much so like a, it's, you know, there's different parts of the body that, mm-hmm. you know, help mm-hmm. make the body a whole. And mm-hmm. each one has its own. Exactly. You know, and I think for me, Knowing my personality, I'm just like, go, 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 like, get it done. I have an idea. I need to get it out. Like, there's a good side to that where it's like, I know for me, like, if there's something that I know that is going to benefit us, I just get it done. Mm. But there's moments, too, where it's like, I'm going 100 miles a minute, and Aaron has the decency to be like, slow down. (laughs) Yeah, you should inhale. Because you're going to die. You know. Yeah. And honestly, because of that different dynamic over the past six years, we really haven't faced much interpersonal controversy. No kidding. No. It's pretty easy because he'll have an idea and I'll say, let's slow down and unpack this a little bit. And usually we get to a point where we just figure out, okay, I think this is how this should work for us. Right, right, right. And we're very open and transparent with each other and constant communication, scheming and planning. So as long as we know everything is on on the table, um, everything seems to work out pretty okay for us. That's awesome. All right. Well, the two voices that you're hearing that maybe you don't recognize are uh, two of the members of Graveyards, the Gardens. They're going to stick with us for the entire hour. A little Ooh. bit later in the show, they're actually going to play some music for us live right here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm. You can find us. You know what? I'm not going to do it. Just Google it. The Common Good <laughs> Radio Show. You'll find us. <laughs> you don't need to hear it every single we time. We don't have to hold every time. Especially when you hear it in podcast form. You're like, are they telling us again? Maybe it's helpful. Maybe it's not. Who knows? Anyway, uh, we have in the studio... Two of my dear buddies mm. who also happen to be in a wonderful band called Graveyards to Gardens. Mm. This is the most I've gotten it correct, by the way. The amount of times thank I've you. said gardens to graveyards. You did it the other day. We did were I? Yes, you did. Oh, thanks <laughs> for throwing me famous, right under that bus. A famous joke in our band. Someone called us the Tombstones once. I'm like, you didn't uh, even try. <laughs> Delicious pizza. Great movie. For sure. But maybe not. Terrible band. Not Terrible a- band. <laughs> I actually think Ryan Gosling was in a band called the Tombstones. Well, is he doing music or is he acting? Well, I don't... Have you ever heard him play or sing? He's uh, In Mickey Mouse uh, Club. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's actually a pretty decent keys player, yeah. and he's got a real yeah. kind of spooky Count Dracula voice when he sings. It's very... Okay, I'm into it. But he's not on the show. Nope. You guys are. <laughs> so I want to hear a little bit more about some of the dynamics of being in a band. Like, I was in bands in high school and college, but it was a whole different thing trying to still do the band thing post-college because you got i mean it's i don't know what it is about that jump it's it seems to be where we lose a lot of people who who Mm. are really talented really committed to their craft Mm. then you graduate and you're like i don't think i don't think i have the steam for it right how do you yeah Yeah. what's it like post-college to keep doing this this band thing Mm. um honestly it's been an incredible creative outlet Mm. for us like we've been doing it for so long but i think it's probably been one of the greatest sources of community for us, mm, which is yeah. really tough transitioning you know. into solid community post college. Yeah. Um, for me, once I finally graduated, like I was in 
like the church that I'm in now. So I found community there. And then we got really close um, as a band. Like the other guys that play with us are some of our dearest friends in the yeah. whole world. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, we were just at Judson today in the studio just talking over just life stuff. And we are pretty transparent and open with each other. And yeah. so some of the deepest stuff that we struggle with in our personal lives, we – uh, discuss as a group and naturally that just kind of comes through our creativity mm-hmm. and so there's just a real safety within the relationships yeah. that we mm-hmm. have with each other that's awesome yeah. Yeah. wondering is uh, i'm not being the non-musician in the room i'm wondering <laughs> like is, has there been a moment for you guys where you're like wow i can't believe this happened like can you do have one moment where you were on stage Ooh. at a particular place or is it when mm. your your album comes out and you're sure. like oh my goodness tell us about some mm. of those moments where it just kind of hits you or kind of live in this man for, at least for me, it yeah. happens a lot. Does yeah. it really? Just yeah. like, just leaving home and just being here. I'm like, yeah. God, like, how am I here? Mm. Some of the rooms that the Lord has put us in. Um, actually, just past Friday, we were playing at um, our alma mater, Justin University. It's going to be a lot of that. So buckle up. <laughs> just get ready. This uh, is brought to you by Justin <laughs> University. Yeah. Yeah. This, every now and then, I'm just going to say yeah. Eaton College. Right? <laughs> just to get it in. <laughs> yeah, we're we're going to bleep it out like it's a swear word. <laughs> right? Like, and I used to go to... <laughs> uh, we were leading worship, and... Um, it was just some some guys in the front row that were just like right with us, engaged, you know, mm-hmm. hands up, yeah. eyes closed, and whatever those sort of things happen because you never really know right how things resonate yep. with people. Are yep. we leading well? Are these songs serving a purpose? Yeah. And um, just that physical representation is just always a huge blessing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a, an idea? Yeah, or a story I, that I feel out? like it's interesting just because I look at everything when it comes to like the band thing hmm. very 10,000 feet up because uh, the rest of my life I'm so detail oriented I think it's when I'm look, coming and like taking a step back and looking it's just like the whole journey oh, right, has right. been impactful mm-hmm. the whole journey itself has been the highlight of it oh, and it keeps cool. going like you said you're six yeah. almost seven years into this yeah. it probably feels like a blink almost you're like I remember yeah. when we started this thing how, oh are, we, how yeah. are we coming up on a decade of doing it yeah. which is I imagine pretty wild and one of the things yeah. Jeremy we had talked uh, before you guys came in about this topic of diversity, mm-hmm. which I would love to to learn from you guys in this regard, because we talked first kind of about personality styles and differences, yeah, and then like continuing to do the band thing amidst you know trying to be a working an human and all, yeah, yeah, all yeah, that yeah, stuff. Yeah. But why yeah. is that topic? Tell me a little bit more about why that topic is is near and dear to the two of you guys. I think the biggest thing is for those that aren't in here and can't see us. Like I'm in, I'm Asian American. Uh-huh. Aaron is African American. Like, right. and especially in the world of Christian music, like there's not a lot of diversity. Yeah. I'm just mm. calling a spade a spade there. Right. And, you know, it's just like we're there's not a lot of representation and that's not that anyone's fault or anything like that, but like you don't you don't see many people like mm. us mm. making music Interesting. for the greater church in the not outside of, you know, worship music. Because mm. there are people in the worship world that do that oh, that look like us. Right. But you look at modern, you know, what you might hear on the radio or other sources, and it's like, no, that doesn't exist. No so there's th- that's kind of a little bit of, like, the the passion behind it. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and, like, especially in our culture today, the idea of representation is so important and huge. And I think a lot of why we made the decisions that we've made as a band um, was because we don't really see ourselves represented in the industry. Mm. Um I love gospel music, but I'm also not a gospel yeah. musician. I'm not nearly as talented of a musician to play that. <laughs> oh, you are. You are. Um, but even then, that's still like that's not our band. We're, we're a unit, and mm. uh, we like to create the music that we want to create. And so it, it's kind of disheartening sometimes looking out. I'm like, oh, man, I don't think we fit in this world. Oh, interesting. Um, 
but it's been redeeming in a lot of ways because I think when a lot of the distractions are out of the way for us, it's been like God saying, like, I really want to create this ministry the way mm. I want it to look like. Yeah. yeah. And so we've kind of given him control of what this looked like. And it's taken, honestly, a lot of tough but blind faith. Mm. Yeah. Um, but we've always been blessed with every step that we've taken as a group. That's awesome. And we don't regret anything yeah. that we've decided to do. Yeah, use the word. I'm, talk to me more about how that can be discouraging that you don't see people mm-hmm. like you doing what you're doing, and sure. uh, and does that feel like a burden to you? Like almost not to overspeak it, but sure, kind of blazing yeah. a trail here a little bit, and I, do you I, feel a little bit of burden? I definitely, yeah, I think both those words, the blaze, the blazing the trail thing, and the yeah. burden thing, because we don't have anyone to look up to. Mm. But at the same time, in the other hand, it's mm. like we want to be people that can be looked up Absolutely. to. Absolutely. And not in some sort of idolatrous kind of way, but sure. like, just like, I want to be an example of like, this is Jesus working through me mm, right. and doing this ministry. And by me having, being blessed to have a platform, mm. someone that looks like me can look and be like, it's possible for me. Yeah. 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 I think at one point we would have, at least for me personally, would have considered it to be a burden because we just didn't see it. Yeah. But once we kind of got past that, there's, it's like a sense of freedom like there's a lot of ways where we don't have to play ball or play a certain game right. for a certain means to an end. Yeah, like we've already broken the mold anyway, so we might as <laughs> yeah, well. Right, for sure. <laughs> might as well just keep doing it the way that we want to do it. Yeah. Right. And then, like even for me, like I think about it, this, from in high school, the idea of a black guy playing guitar was ridiculous. Hmm. Really? Yeah. For growing up, for one reason or another, that's what it was. But in my head, I'm thinking, well, there's Jimi Hendrix, there's B.B. King, there's Buddy say, there's Guy. A lot, yeah, there's yeah. a lot that come yeah. to mind. But. Um, yeah. And so even... Before, like, all this in high school, I was very self-conscious. I didn't tell anyone I played guitar. No kidding. I was like, yeah, I play drums, and I like playing go-go bands. <laughs> and go-go's a genre of music in the D.C. area. Um, <laughs> and so that was my way of trying to exist as a cool musician wow. with my peers in high school. Um, but just through a lot of growth and just maturing, I'm like, no, I, I love guitar. I turn it up really loud. Wow. And there's a freedom in the fact that we just kind of do our own thing, and we just yeah. love doing it. The thing that I find so ironic about that, just as a white guy, <laughs> the opposite tend to be true. Like mm. I, a lot of people would say they play guitar, even if they didn't. Like it's, sure. it was yeah. like yeah. such a popular church camp youth group thing. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah, 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 I totally play guitar. Like right, I play Free something. Bird. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> a lot of Dave Matthews band, unfortunately. But uh, like I imagine, I want to get into that a little bit coming up mm. next because I think the even just your own journey of creation and collaboration, and then even some of the perception. Mm. I think sometimes the sentiment is, oh, you're writing music for the church, or maybe you're not writing music for the church, but there's already so many expectations there. You add on mm-hmm. to, like you're saying, some of the diversity, just of what the judgments people are make, they're making on you based on how you look. Yeah. You add that all to the mix, I imagine what you end up creating, I don't know, I think has potential to be so beautiful and mm-hmm. so impactful because it's so unique and so present, and I think such a necessary conversation to have right now. Yeah. So we're going to unpack all of that coming up next, but we're also going to hear some original tunes live right here in the studio with Graveyards to Gardens coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with the right reverend, Dr. Admiral Brian Fromm. None of those. None of those? Wow, none you're an admiral? I mean, you admiral. are. I you have none of those, admirable. but keep going. Wow. <laughs> Just keep going with them. I was going to say, yeah. your words of affirmation guide to turn down accolades. Like true seems... affirmation, though. Oh, they have to be true for them <laughs> yeah. to matter? Yes. If, nah. someone, if someone said to you, Brian Fromm, you are so great at basketball. You wouldn't. You wouldn't still take that like as a compliment. It's true though. Ah! I, mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just teed that one up for you. Whack it. 
Well, I'm going to move on from that as fast <laughs> as I possibly can. Okay, I know so what those, you're doing there. those yes. other uproarious laughters come from my good buddies from uh, Graveyards to Gardens, and you had a record come out in 2018 called Home, yeah. and then a single called Where I Belong, and I'm wondering, this is what I love about like in studio musical guests sure. is because we get some backstory behind the song and the mm-hmm. album. Can you kind of just let us in on a little bit of the process and what it's all about? Yeah, the energy for um, this album started with this song. We wrote it probably three years before we had the idea for this album. Um, but the, I, I mentioned earlier, I grew up in, in DC and there was a period of there where I really struggled just being far away from home. Mm. And so we we're like, let's do a whole album talking about the different ways we find home, whether it's a physical space mm. we grew up in family relationships and most mm. importantly our relationship with Jesus and um, so we did that we came up with some seven songs that we love a ton and where I belong is one of those songs is that the song that you're going to play for us now then yeah and is that song fits in then with this theme of yeah. finding home and even the name home I didn't realize this till we we're playing it on tour this summer that the name the word home is in this song uh, and oh, so no kidding. it just kind of f- f- flew out of that and there's a couple other songs that has that too and so I'm like oh, okay I guess we were on the right track <laughs> I love it I love it so uh, we're going to hear then an original song right here live in the studio from Graveyards the Gardens you guys take it away So far from the place that I used to call home This unfamiliar sickness I feel it aching my bones A different situation from the one that I knew so well if I hadn't seen your goodness, I would have lost myself. I would have lost heart if it wasn't for you. So I put my hope in you. I put my trust down in love where you are Lord that is where I belong it hasn't been easy to walk the path that's unknown but the comfort in the journey Knowing I'm never alone I'm holding my father's hand Staying close to his side It's his love that lifts me His mercy that keeps me alive So I put my hope I trust in you. Your grace picked me up. You reached out in love. Where you are, Lord, is where I belong. You 
outstanding awesome thank you if you just tuned in you're listening to graveyards to gardens i'm curious guys how does the uh how does the songwriting process even work is it one of you is it a collaborative thing how does it even work yeah um a lot of the writing generally starts with me okay um so it's a little different every time uh so we we do some co-writing with some really close friends um mostly because we they know our stories really well, mm. so there's a comfort when we can yeah, write them. Yeah. They know our stories. Uh, um, but a lot of songs just happen just by myself laying on the basement floor, yep. wrestling through some stuff and fighting to get a good song. And I, I love that wrestle, just yeah. fighting for, for a great lyric. And um, But it's, it's different every time. Either you know, Sometimes it starts with the piano, a guitar. Um, I'm very adamant about writing down phrases or voice memoing, like... Melody ideas. Just and, always gathering that. It's just right. always, radars are always up. Yeah. Right. And I, I learned from somebody a long time ago, uh, the best inspiration you can do is to collect it and just kind of take it off the shelf, hmm. dust it off and like, oh, okay, I think, I think we should write this song right now. Oh, right on. And so I have like a collection of things where I'm ready to write. I'm like, yeah, but I think I can do this one today. Yeah. Like an idea or a turn of phrase yeah. or uh, and you just kind of craft it from there. Right. And so like it's a lot of the ideas, even for this album, a lot of those ideas were like three, four years old, even before we oh, even well. got into the yeah. studio to record the record. So how, how important is it? You mentioned this. I've never heard anybody say it this way when it comes mm-hmm. to writing. How important is it to write with people that know your story? Mm-hmm. Uh, for us, it's critical. I think there's really? a lot of writers that do it really well. They can just enter into a session have a, some coffee and your know, conversation and crank out a hit. Um, yeah. And that was something I had to learn for myself as a songwriter. I was really insecure about that. I'm like, I'm just not that guy. I think I'm okay with that now. Yeah. Oh, no kidding. Uh, but yeah, writing with friends, people that know your story, people that you can relate with, you can be open and vulnerable with. Yeah. And I think when you start there, it shows up in the writing yeah. every time. And, and Jeremy, so you're a part of this creative yeah. process, but a lot of the songwriting begins with Aaron. How's yeah. that like just entering into, knowing that you have all these other kind of creative other random things it's right a, yeah i i honestly don't peg myself as much of a lyricist thing but like mm. the story thing though yeah it's huge for me with all the other art that comes alongside everything yeah. else so yeah. like being able to sit in and at least just hear yes. and see what we're going to be making you know that jolts me with a lot of ideas and goes like okay well we could do this and this and this and this and you know how do we authentically tell the story which you're exceptional at, by the way. I Thank can you. say that with confidence. And I think that's what makes you such a great pair is like what you just said. I know lyrics isn't my thing, but you're great at like right. 
oh, this isn't our story or this doesn't fit for, for who we actually are. Absolutely. And for you guys yeah. to have that kind of collaborative balance yeah. is super important, also really super rare. So hopefully, I'm sure it's clear by now why yeah. we're so excited to have you guys in the studio. Absolutely. And you're going to stick with us for one more segment. We're going to hear a little bit more about your story, hear one more uh, original song. Mm-hmm. That is Graveyards to Gardens right here in the Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. the common good my name is ian simpkins along with brian Fromm. you can find us on facebook twitter the interwebs not instagram don't even go there no nope. i wonder if there is a common good on instagram it's yeah go ahead visit them just go and tell them tell them we sent you <laughs> taught them so we'll give you a discount on their instagram page yeah <laughs> taught, go, taught, 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 them. taught them just yeah just comments you're not brought in Ian. people are like what? Dare you? what is this this is a pottery page why are they so angry <laughs> So we have uh, Aaron and Jeremy in the studio from Graveyards to Gardens. Just cards on the table. Two dudes I really like and appreciate. A band I really like and appreciate from an alma mater, Judson University. I really appreciate so much. (laughs) You know, when I was in college, we covered that song and did a uh, like a gutter punk version of it. Oh, you have be... to. There's no other version to do if you're covering. Uh, <laughs> how can we? Okay, next record, Jeremy. We're gonna, right, you really it. should. Yeah. We did, we did a battle of the bands actually, and we had a, <laughs> one of the uh, choir students come and lead it normally for the first thirty seconds, oh, and then we all came out, and then I slammed into like a speed metal version of Oh Judson, Now We Hail. Uh, amazing. No, it was not. It was. Oh, it was <laughs> not. <laughs> it's really really bad. Okay, uh, uh, I mentioned uh, it though. Before I forget. Uh, I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you guys yeah. uh, if they're looking yep. to get a record or to book you or to ask questions mm-hmm. or whatever it is you're open to. We just let our audience know how they can find you guys. If you'd like to stalk us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On Instagram, gra- at Graveyards to Gardens. Okay. Same thing for Facebook, Graveyards to Gardens. Um, email is Graveyards to Gardens at gmail.com. Whoa. And then for Twitter, it's G mm-hmm. number two G music. On Twitter, G two G. It's kind of like a little yeah. nickname we have yep. for ourselves. Yeah. Do you have a G two G hat? You guys got we swag, do. We right? Do. We sold, we sold out, yeah. but we're Gosh, we, we got to bring them back. This they, everyone keeps asking when are they coming back. They're coming back. Just just hold your horses. Did so, you design the swag, by the way, Jeremy? Yes, you Jeremy did. All you our yeah, oh man, he yeah. writes the songs. He does the swag. The swag <laughs> looks great, though. The cover art looks great. You guys yeah. have such a good social media presence, and you're just great dudes. So I, also, I hope that people hear that. Messages from ravens, if you like to do it that way. <laughs> <laughs> ravens, pigeons, other flying. We have turkey vultures that hang out outside the yeah, studio that terrify oh, wow. me. I, I would love for you guys just uh, before you sing this last song. Um, what encouragement would you give to people who are maybe? Maybe they're where you were at six or seven years ago, and they're like, ah, I, I want to invest time in this. I want to kind of go after the stream, but I just don't know how. I don't know how to kind of keep the fire yeah. alive. Mm. What encouragement would you give to people? Um, yeah, I, I say this a lot, actually. Um, with We're fortunate enough to, even though we've graduated from Judson, we still have great relationships there with faculty, staff, and students. And one, yeah. one of the things I like to tell students all the time um, there's a seat at the table for you. Yeah. Mm. Uh, for a very long time, we didn't know if we had a seat at the table mm. or what the table even was mm-hmm. or anything like that. Um, the, the truth is the gifts that God has given you, he's given you for a purpose and the dreams that he's given you is there for a reason as well. Mm. And if you're having these songs and these gifts to play instruments, uh, I think you owe it to yourself. And I think you owe it to the world mm. uh, to use it. Uh, it doesn't mean you're going to be as big as for King and country sometimes. Yeah. Right, maybe. Right. right. Um, 
we're not a huge band, but we're very faithful for what God's given us. We try to steward that well. Mm. So don't be discouraged by w- whatever your platform is. Yeah, Use awesome. that incredibly well. Yeah. Okay, so this uh, this next song is called Precious Moments. Before you sing it, though, can you give us the quick story behind it? You said that it <laughs> it actually started off as a joke. Is that yeah. right? So like in the first couple of years as the band, we uh, there's a friend of ours from Judson. His name is Andrew Moment. And like in rehearsals, we just... Oh, that's a, that's a we'd, precious we'd, moment. We'd oh. sing this chorus, oh. and we call it Precious Moment. And uh, it kind of hit me one day. It's like, oh, this might actually be a cool song. And uh, so, yeah, four years later, it was like, okay, let's write this and record it. And it just kind of really fit with the theme for the record. Um, we we try to take you into some of the rooms that I grew up in as a kid. Mm. Uh, very intimate moments that I've had with like family and friends over the years. And um, yeah, Precious Moments. I remember the prayers my parents would say at night The truth in their words has stayed with me all my life I close my eyes and I go back in time those precious moments those precious moments those precious moments those precious moments laughs shared with those I love the hours together no they never were enough mm, I hold those days close but all we had was us those precious moments those precious moments Those precious moments Those precious moments Oh, 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 
I can't wait to remember. Time will pass, but these tales will last forever. And those precious moments. Ooh, ooh, those precious moments. Man, that is outstanding. Yes. You're listening to Graveyards to Gardens. Thank you guys for doing that. Thank you. And, uh, you know, getting to know you and sit here with you and then to hear a song, it's just got a depth to yes. it. That just gets added. Really, thank you for doing that. And just personally, anecdotally, I'm super grateful for you guys. Yeah. I think the world is a better place with the two of you in it. <laughs> please, please, please keep writing music. Please keep pouring into young leaders and please come back. Absolutely. Uh, that is Aaron so and Jeremy from Graveyards to Gardens. Woo! Please go buy go. self applause on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That. It's a crowd. Yeah. It's a crowd. Yeah. It's we like 300 that. people here. We do that when we end our show every day. Just That's true. Yeah. 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 We made it. <laughs> but for real, go and buy everything they've Absolutely. ever done or will ever do. Can't encourage you enough. Thank you guys so much for joining Thank us you. Thank you for today us. on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. It's time for a conversation about the things we share in common. Our common hopes, our common fears, our common struggles. Together, we'll wrestle with the questions that we all have about the issues that affect our lives. This is The Common Good. Now, here are your hosts, Brian Fromm and Ian Simpkins. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. How good was Graveyard Stars? That was really fun. And I, I, you had a singer in here one other time, but it was when I was away, so I've never done that in the studio here. That was really fun. Oh, that was your first in-studio experience. Was, what was it like was. for you? I really enjoyed them. Those guys are good. They're not just good, but they're like good dudes. They they're are. Good hearts, and just and they to think talk. deeply about stuff. And, and that, like have the opportunity to hear, like you said, what's behind the song. Right. And what's behind, it's re- I enjoyed that a lot. Let me just say it again. Graveyards the Gardens, if you're interested in like just good music or you want to book them or talk to them about worship music or music in general, Highly encourage you to listen to the podcast, listen to the songs. Uh, really, really love those dudes. You can find us all over the place as well. <laughs> nice segue. Uh, on Facebook at the Common Good Radio Show, on Twitter at Common Good Talk. You can call us 312 660 2594. You can even leave a voicemail if you'd like, and then we'll go back and listen to those later, and perhaps we'll use them on the show here. So feel free to call 312 660 2594. And uh, I don't know that our shows are always this sort of all over the place. Today is going to feel like that a little bit, at least the second hour. But uh, the headline from WBEZ is Life Lessons from Loyola's Sister Jean on her 100th birthday. First off, what do you think it's like to live 100 years? (laughs) uh, Crazy. (laughs) Like that was I I couldn't get the words out. I don't know. Like my my wife's uh, grandmother is now like 102, 103, and it's just mind-boggling. Carrie, my wife, gets mad at me because I once said to my kids, I said, you know what? I'm happy. Get me to 80, fall asleep one day, not wake up. I'd be happy. So what are you doing? (laughs) I'm like, like, there's six, Brian. I I didn't say 40 or 45. (laughs) I said 80, but you know, now what makes Sister Jean unbelievable, it's like 100 and still like apparently sharp and active oh, yeah. crushing it because totally. usually when you talk about a hundred it's like you know 15 years that are just kind of sad right you don't i don't want that but man the way sister jean's going 
It's crazy. Well, it's uh, so her birthday is coming up, and I totally agree. It is crazy. My great grandma lived to 100, and it was so fun talking to her about like the stuff that she had seen in her lifetime. That's, I remember asking yes. her when I was a kid. She's like, "Well, I was there for the Wright brothers' first flight, and when we landed on the moon, I was like, what? Can That's you imagine crazy. seeing the advance of technology over the course of your life from a little pedal bicycle plane yeah. thing to like sending someone to the moon? Which is crazy, though, because if you reach 100 or you know, one of I us will does, not. I won't make it. But think about what our kids, uh, grandkids or whatever, will be saying. They'll be like, what you remember before the Internet? Like, they're going to have that same, but it'll be about, like, technology. But that is crazy to think <laughs> the world wars and this. Oh, it's just nuts. Well, so uh, the thing that I like about Sister Jean, not just that she's sweet, but she, you know, she's kind of like a, she's just sort of a hero in a lot of ways. And uh, yesterday. Have we explained who Sister Jean is, by the way? Why don't you go ahead and it explain? It feels That's like a good everyone idea. in Chicago knows, but good you call, might remember from the NSA Final Four a couple years ago. Uh, she was uh, the the older woman uh, who was with the Loyola basketball team. She's she's part basically manager or uh, she's with the Loyola basketball team. So they made that unbelievable run to the final four. And uh-huh. and Sister Jean became quite the celebrity and yes. quite the hero in the school. You clearly the school loves her. Everybody loves her. That's Sister Jean. If you're in the Chicagoland, you've seen her on TV, I'm sure. Well, and she so just yesterday celebrated her 100th birthday. And I want you to hear just a little bit from her. Happy birthday to you. Being 100, God has been very good to me in keeping me as healthy as possible and keeping me active and keeping me thinking the straight way and keeping me in touch with young people. I love that so much for so many reasons. Every time I hear her talk, I just think this woman's so wise, which is kind of why I wanted to do the story, not just because uh, she turned 100, um, which also anecdotally, she says she credits her longevity, at least in part to good genes. Her father and his seven siblings all lived to be at least 95 years that old. That is crazy. So ironically, genes <laughs> might be at play here. Anyway, that wasn't a good. <laughs> Anywho, no, that was very good. So she actually gave some advice uh, that she tells other students that I think is good advice for everybody. So why don't you kick us off? We're going to run through these uh, these pieces of advice from Sister Jean. So she started with this one. Go to sleep at the same time every night. I do not do that. Sister Jean says it's important to get enough sleep every night, but she thinks it's especially important to maintain a regular sleep schedule where you go to bed at the same time every night. For her, that's 10.30 p.m. I mean, if you're 100 years old, make it until... T- I'm 42, <laughs> and like by 10.15, I am like cast out. That's crazy. All right, second piece of advice. Time management is the key to success. She says the people in athletics and sports are perhaps the best time managers in the school because they're in the public eye. They have the practice hours every day, study while they're away. Um, but I think that's a, a pretty wise piece of advice that uh, I may need some areas. I may need to grow in that area a little bit. <laughs> Number three, she says, this is really random and funny. If you're homesick, <laughs> seek out a dog. Amen. Sister Jean lives in a dorm with students at Loyola. Just take that in for a second. She lives in a dorm with students at Loyola and is often visited by freshmen who want advice as they navigate their first year of school. Often they're homesick for their siblings or even their dog. She often tells them, to see Loyola's therapy dog in the wellness center to help them adjust and serve as a temporary furry substitute. <laughs> Spending time with a dog doesn't seem like bad advice for anyone having a tough day. She says, if you're homesick, seek out a dog. Can't really argue with that one. I love this next one. She said, focus on bringing joy to other people. Sister Jean says, working with college-age students has kept her spirit youthful, but she worries that today's young people are living in a world especially filled with sorrow and violence. She said, I think that has a great effect on their lives. I think we need to be joy Joyful people and bring happiness to other people. I can't really argue with that one. You can't, but that is really fascinating because if you do the math, she's a hundred. Yeah. 
So she's saying that today's kids go, are living in a world especially filled with sorrow and violence. She lived through World War II. Yeah, good point. I mean, that's great. Good point. So someone like that who's looking at our world going, wow, this is kind of a scary place should tell us something. Yeah, no kidding. That's wild. Number four? Four are we on? Five. Uh, they're not numbered. <laughs> uh, five. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be afraid to take criticism and accept praise, oh. she says. After each basketball game, Sister Jean sends an email to the team, regardless of if they win or lose. At the end, she adds an individually individualized PS to each member about their performance, praising them for a good job or pointing out something they could improve on. She says the players are open to listening and thinks it's important to always reflect on your past performance. We work on the things in which we are weak and study the things in which we're strong. She mm. said, I just love this picture of a hundred year old woman. Yes. Uh, tech, like uh, emailing the point guard being like, hey, you really need to work on your left hand. Your, your ball side defense is a little tough right now. Which you, I mean, she's got something. She's got some clout, I think, to make those kinds of observations too, right? A culture they have that a hundred year old lady is like giving advice and they love it and they're taking it. That's great. I would love it. All right. Here's the last one. This one's encouraging. 30 is just the prime. Sister Jean says that as people get older, they start to become proud of how old they are. But between 21 and 65 years old, most people don't want to talk about their age. Sister Jean rejects that idea. She said, you're as old as you feel. She thinks that too many people uh, look at being 30 as being old. She says, 30 is just the prime. You have a long way to go. (laughs) And then says, six days after this reporter enjoyed her 30th birthday, that was the best advice to hear. That's (laughs) Kate McGee over at WBEZ. I think I definitely have felt even at the 36 age like oh boy i am let's land this plane i am old and tired which i know isn't the case but i have i've mentioned it many times but i'm 42 and like that so many times now i talk about that being they actually hit me the other day i talk about it being really old and then i was like why do i talk like that yeah right it's not that old but maybe you know she's done things to keep herself uh spry and and (laughs) attentive i just think it's it is amazing that we we really grow in reverence of someone who's just lived a long time because yeah. it's like, wow, all that they've seen, yes. all that they've experienced, the wisdom they've garnered. Um, That's a good point, too. That's a good challenge for us to be more mindful. Learn. Seek out the wisdom from the people in your life yeah, that have some years our on you. Our culture is really centered on the young. Yeah, it's right. It's like, oh, you know. Almost obsessively. Yeah, and there's things that young people have to teach older people, but uh, all too often in churches and culture everywhere, we kind of try to discard the older people. Oh, they're just stuck in their ways. Oh, they're this, as opposed to going, wow, what wisdom can I garner for someone who's been on this earth 50, 60, 70, 100 years? That's good advice, though. Maybe this week, carve out some time, actually sit down, have a cup of coffee or meal yeah. with somebody who's got some decades on you and just sit at their feet and listen. I'm going to summarize real quick just because it was good. Here are life lessons from Sister Jean. Go to sleep at the same time every night. Time management is the key to success. If you're homesick, seek out a dog. Focus on bringing joy to other people. Don't be afraid to take criticism and accept praise. And lastly, 30 is just the prime. I love that. I love that. I'm convicted by her perspective and her wisdom in that regard. Well, it's a topic we've tackled a lot, but Scott McKnight has uh, weighed in a little bit on Pathios on some of these recent stories of people leaving their faith. Scott McKnight is someone that I look up to a lot and think has a lot of wisdom and measured kind of patience and perspective. So we're going to take a deep dive again into this topic, particularly of a lot of these celebrities who have kind of publicly stepped away from their faith. And that's what we're going to talk about next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, Twitter at Common Good Talk. 
1160hope.com slash the common good, which, by the way, I did recently on that particular page of the website is the original video that we made before we started. Have you watched that recently? No, but I remember the one you're talking about on that couch. We were like at some warehouse somewhere or something. Yeah, I have way too much gel in my hair. <laughs> I'm trying way too hard to look like I have any idea what I'm doing. My shirt was way too nice. Your shirt was worn, way too nice? I've not worn a, a more, I've not worn a nicer button down, like <laughs> more conservative shirt in all the time we've done it since then. Well, in defense, the reason that you wear the same hoodie every time, if anyone follows on Facebook and notices that Brian's wearing the same thing, it's because it's often freezing in the studio. Yep. I don't wear this during the day. I leave it in my car. <laughs> when I get out of my car to come up to the studio, I bring this same hoodie with me every day in the middle of the summer. Has anyone called you on it? Like, Brian, no. you're wearing the same hoodie in all of these studio photos that you post nope. or that you're tagged in. You don't really post them, do you? Nope. nope. But I'm tagged time, in them. I'm was, tagged in them. When was the last time you posted about the show on your own page? I've re- uh, reposted stuff. Have you? I have. Okay. <laughs> I have. Do you want me to do it? I'll do it tonight. Doing it tonight. Yeah, do it. Yeah. I forgot that you have this competitive edge. Yeah, I let's do, do it. <laughs> I bet you I'll do it first. <laughs> you're not. You're not going to know to do what to do with all the reposts I'm going to do today. It's a. It's a good threat. <laughs> well, hopefully you can find us there if you want. And uh, we have a number of really cool, some very intense, some very interesting conversations going on there. That is always a good place to kind of get a sense either of where we're going or topics we've already talked about, but we love kind of diving in. And this is definitely one of those topics. We've had a number of stories of these Christian celebrities walking away or renouncing their faith or something kind of in between. And I've been pretty surprised at how vastly different some of the responses have been. Yeah. Uh, And we have other celebrities weighing in, which that always gets murky when you have Christian celebrities weighing in on Christian celebrities. That all starts to feel like a rip in the space time continuum. But Scott McKnight uh, who is just a brilliant yes. thinker, educator, theologian, scholar in the truest sense, uh, friend of community. He uh, he weighed in on this, and I think he's got a lot of good things to say. So I'm I'm curious if you could just sort of set us up, and then we'll mm-hmm. kind of dive into this this article from him at patheos.com and uh, and see if we can learn some things. Yeah, McKnight will often weigh in on various, uh, like you said, topics of the day, if you will, that he feels like he has something to say. Uh, toward. So he wrote this in re- recent stories of leaving the faith at pathos.com. Uh, he wrote the recent stories of Josh Harris and Marty Sampson, uh, one, the well-known author of I Kiss Dating Goodbye, and the other, a Hillsong songwriter, have been scrutinized recently. Some had a bit of a data bank of others to draw upon for their observations, while others had some pastoral experience with folks leaving the faith. There is lots of speculation, so it seems to me, in what is being said. Some years ago, I, being Scott McKnight, wrote a chapter in a book on this very topic, Finding Faith, Losing Faith. Hmm. My conclusions were based on months of reading depressing stories of deconversion or apostasy. That's be crazy. Months of reading stories of deconversion and apostasy. Yeah, that'll do something to your soul, yeah, right? It really <laughs> It seems, he says, that work can be brought to be, ba- to be bare on what is now being said about these two recent departures from the faith. Much of what is being said of late is based on overly narrowly scrutinizing only these two stories and filling in the blanks with some. And then he says, parenthetically, too much theoretical speculation. And this Mm. is part I want to get to. He says, my conclusion at the end of my study is that a person apostatizes or leaves the faith to find independence. This autonomy can be intellectual, psychological or moral or even behavioral or more than one or all of them. My study leads me to believe 
we should be looking through the statements of someone like Marty Sampson to what he wants to do, how he wants to behave, to whom he wants to answer. He's looking for independence for something. I just find that fascinating. I don't know that I've heard that specific angle or maybe articulated that clearly, which is one of the things that Dr. McKnight does, I think, exceptionally well. It's kind of cut through all the noise and synthesize something that it's, it's been so interesting even watching my feed kind of blow up because people have been sharing articles from other people and other perspectives. Some of them are really denigrating. Others are sort of championing in some kind of land in the weird sort of squishy middle. And I don't know. I, I just think he does a great job uh, giving new handles and categories. He goes on to say, um, theoretically speaking, all conversions are apostasies and all apostasies are therefore conversions. Everyone mm. who converts leaves a former faith, even if that faith is ill-defined. Everyone who leaves the Orthodox Christian faith converts to a different faith, even if that new faith is as ill-defined as a kind of agnosticism or personal theism or even gentler form of atheism. Those who study conversions uh, have, uh, often observe that a conversion to something means a conversion from something, but rarely does the observation work itself into the fabric of one study of conversions themselves, mm. which again is such a helpful scholarly, but also kind of pastoral way to think about yeah. it. I don't know if you've experienced this personally in your church where someone who was like a, like a real central focused involved team player. And then they ended up walking away entirely. Have you dealt with this at a personal level at all? I stepped away from the faith. Yeah. No, uh, not, uh, not anytime recently that I can think of. Although one that really bothers me that I feel deeply about like a, a deep sadness about is to see, and you've probably experienced this, the number of students I had that I was under me in youth uh, ministry yeah. who aren't in churches anymore right. or who aren't that. And you see them on Facebook and you can tell and that, that really burdens me quite frankly, as I see that happening. And what kind of coaching, if any, do you give like are, are any of those students still in your life? Not really. You know, those, that was a different season for you too, I guess. Right, right, right. But it does. Uh, McKnight goes on to talk about Timothy Larson and yeah. he was a professor at Wheaton college. Uh, he has detailed the stories of seven intellectuals who not only endured a crisis of faith that shook their faith, but who also once on the other side of the fence experienced another crisis of doubt hmm. that led them back to the Orthodox oh, faith. His book is called crisis of doubt. And he McKnight says it remains an enduring reminder that walking away can be followed up eventually by returning home. Basically hmm. it's not the end of the story, but then he asks, what were the issues and ideas and experiences that precipitated their quote crisis? They're walking away and their quest for a new and different kind of life, one no longer related to the original faith. And Larson, I believe uh, he's yeah. quoting, says basically, here's the five biggies that people struggle with. And I think these are really helpful for us as pastors to just say, are we being honest about these questions oh, and helping good. people? So here, so these are the five areas that this guy found. Timothy Larson found them. that found that people tend to leave the faith because of. Correct. Got here it. they were. Scripture intention. Scripture intention with what one believes scripture ought to be. Mm, okay. So I think scripture should say this about X, Y, or Z, and then it doesn't. How or do should, I or do should function this way? Right. Or, got right. It. Uh, second, science and faith in a war with one another. Mm. So what do we do with that? Yeah, right. Number four, Christian hypocrisy. Luckily, that doesn't happen anymore, but you know. <laughs> We've outgrown that as the church. Christian hypocrisy. Number four, hell as taught, eternal conscious punishment and torture. Mm. And number five, the God of the Bible Parenthetically, he writes Old Testament usually. Oh, so you guys did a whole sermon about that, I believe, but a whole God series. Yeah, a whole God, series. God behaving badly. Yep. And I find these really helpful because, as a pastor or as a dad or whatever, it it causes us to ask ourselves: Are we helping our people, or what do I think of these? For one, right? But am I helping my kids think through these questions? Am I helping the people in my congregation who are there week in and week out? Are we ever really? 
if these are five of the biggies that these guys are finding that this is what causes people to lose their faith, what are we doing with these questions and these and these roadblocks, these struggles? I think that's a great question because Scott is so much smarter than you or I. I want to, I just feel like I just want to spend the last Go for minute it. or so reading a little bit more just, I, just because I think this is really good stuff for us to wrestle with. He says, in my study, uh, one and near, nearly always a combination of the above five that you just mentioned, the five major elements, forms the core of a crisis in the viability of one's orthodox Christian faith because mm. humans are complex, because our decisions are made in the crucible of life with all its connections, and because with nearly every person I have studied, there is more involved than just one issue. When a scholar like Bart Ehrman, who I'm... Imagining you probably had to read. Yep. Uh, it was brilliant. Uh, seems to reduce his crisis to the discovery that the text of the New Testament cannot be determined with certainty. Someone who studies conversions is left wondering what else was involved in that decision. And I think yeah, I think you raise a really important question, not even just for pastors and leaders. That's yep. a good place, I think, maybe to start. Or but to ourselves. say, yeah, in our small groups, even mm. or in our own families, like, do we have space for these questions? Do we can we intelligently speak to them? And how do we create more and more safe places where people can actually wrestle with these things rather than feeling like, well, I guess I just have to leave because that yes. seems to be the trend. And that, and that actually is a bummer to me because one of the common trends seems to be, oh, I just didn't have a safe place to wrestle yes. with any of this. You know, something I also appreciate in what McKnight talks about when he's talking about Larson's book is that oftentimes we think of this turning away from the faith, this crisis of faith, this turning uh, your back on, on your faith as the end. Like, mm. oh, they're off the team. They're gone. Yeah, and he right. literally wrote a book about people who left and came back. And that seems pretty biblical, right? The leaving and the coming back. And so I don't think even as people are leaving in your life, I think you can still be praying for them and engaging them. And uh, but I think this, yeah, this article is really helpful. And maybe even more than just engaging, like certainly pray and engage, but also to make it clear, especially for people that are maybe like in vocational ministry yep. to be intentional about letting them know that your door is always open. You're always there for questions or to wrestle or to cry together. I think that is often what so many people, when they walk away, say, see, no one even bothered to call me. Once I, like you said, once I was off the team, uh, all communication just sort of ended. And I think that only solidifies. Well, yep. that was a faith worth walking yeah, away from. Good point. And I think we can do better than that. That's a good point. Coming up next, uh, this is the most convicting headline I've read in a while. Are you ready for it? Yeah. Five reasons you should avoid posting about your child on social media. I have failed in that regard so many times, but we're going to talk about it coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm, who is loving this jam right I now. Like it. Do, I like it. Do you ever really? Si- ever since we had the, the, the guys in the first hour. Yeah. Uh, Graveyards to gardens. I, I now I'm like I'm very musically in tune today. Well, oh, that's it for music. you. Huh? I'm enjoying music today. All right, you should check them out on Spotify and your drive home. Actually, by the way, because I think uh, I think their stuff is there. Yeah, I just said it over the it radio. Was. So I googled them while we were talking to them, and they had a Spotify list. Graveyards to gardens. Listen to them on Spotify. If you're listening on the podcast, go ahead and uh, hit pause and find them because uh, I love those dudes. So here's here's an article on a website that Brian Fromm is on all the time. It's Jelly's app. He is, or is it Jelly Sap? It's a a website dedicated to tree sap And uh, all the different things that you It's a really exciting collection of web stories You always have to be careful when it's a multiple word uh, website That like what it might spell in different ways (laughs) Even though if I'm reading it correctly Jelly's app is still a strange name for a website Credible though, sounds super academic doesn't it? Much like we often get on the show. But yep. here's here's the headline, and I was drawn to it because I'm already convicted by it. 
five reasons you should avoid posting about your child on social media, which cards on the table. Brian and I both do, right? Your kids are a little older, but do you have any, do you scrutinize like what you do or don't post about them? Is there a, like a rubric you run everything through before you actually hit share or is it just sort of as it comes to you? Uh, if you ask my wife, I probably do not do that enough. So we've the, had the scrutinize. Yeah, she's, I would say she is increasingly uncomfortable with putting stuff about our kids. And I'm like, oh, share, boom. <laughs> uh, Cambridge Analytica has it anyway. So, yeah, exactly. So for me, I would say the standard has more to do, much like when I'm preaching, mm. the standard has more to do with, is this going to embarrass my children? That right. I'm not going to do it. Smart. Are they going to look back on this one day and be angry or like, what were you doing, dad? Then I won't do it. Mm. But like my kids started school yesterday. And I put the I put up the obligatory picture of them holding up how many fingers for the grade they're in. And uh, hey, Bill, is no that news? obligatory? Uh, oh, everyone. Everybody does it. But <laughs> a new school year has begun. Right? right. And pictures of the kids. And I did it for my high school daughter the week before we're on vacation. So I uh, how do they do it when they're a senior? What do you mean? Oh, no, no. The I should say that's more of a grade school thing. When they're oh. in high school, they don't really do that. And if it was like 10 plus like no, two, you know, two my toes. Daughter, or... no, now that I talk about it, she's in 10th grade now. It was a one and a zero on her hand. So 12 would just, a senior be one and two. I should have been able to figure that out yes. myself. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Carry on. How in the how do they do oh, that? What, what solution does there even exist one? Oh, okay. <laughs> These kids do this now. <laughs> they're so smart. They use their toes and everything. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, as we look at this article, I'm going to, Cry. um, I'm guilty of being somebody who probably posts very openly about my children or my family. I tend to be a person on Facebook. If you're not friends with me there who posts more pictures and like, Hey, here's my family. Then like I do, here's a thought provoking article. I'd like you to oh, do gotcha. something. I'm, I'm more like, Hey, Facebook's for families and cats. <laughs> but I think but I think that's probably really endearing especially for people that call you pastor to like get this inside glimpse it's, into your life like your real life. I think it it's is, valuable. It is one of the reasons I do it. Really? Uh, when I I go back and forth and I'm not sure it's a great reason, but I go back and forth about even staying on Facebook or not. Hmm. Um but one of the reasons I do it is to connect with my people at the church and honestly to help people see like we're a functioning family. Here's what a family could look like, you know, like yeah. people look to the pastor's family a little bit as, OK, a little bit of a model, uh, rightly or wrongly. Um, but I'm certainly not one who uses Facebook to stir the pot to uh, to. Yeah, I feel no. like you're looking right at me. Uh, yeah. I'm, look, I'm looking at our Facebook page. <laughs> All right, well, let me get into these five because I think they're really good. Yeah. And uh, this is on the Facebook page, too, if you want to comment fast, or weigh in. Do you and your wife agree on what you post with your kids in it? Or is that a conversation you guys have had now that your kids are young but getting older? We're only just starting to. Mine are so young. Yeah. She's actually much better about, like, celebrating, um, like, birthdays and stuff. And, like, she does so good at honoring them. Yeah. Like, f- even when Red was as young as, like, two or three months, she'd post that. You're three months today. This is what I love about you. This oh, is what I cool. pray over you. She is she's so much better at that than I am. Uh, all right, so let's run through these five and uh, kind of get your feedback. Number one, posting on social media can invade your child's privacy. While young children might not give any thought to what their parents share about them on social media, that may not stay true as they grow older. According to Common Sense Media, at around five years old, children start to develop a sense of themselves as individuals and how the rest of the world perceives them. That's crazy that it's Mm -hmm. happening at five. Their privacy becomes more of a concern. They may start to feel embarrassed about the content their parents post about them on social media, especially when it comes to early childhood anecdotes, funny photos and updates on developmental and behavioral changes. That is uh, I, that is one I don't give enough thought to is my kids' privacy. Yeah. 
uh, because, I mean, they're not on Facebook. They're yeah. not on this, but it's going to come full circle at some point. Yeah. So I do want to make sure that they don't ever see anything where they're like, Dad, I can't believe you posted that. Like, why would you do that? Yeah, like, be mindful of that. You know, you got a daughter and she's in a swimsuit and she's at, you know, in junior high. You're like, that's probably not something right. the whole world needs to be celebrated, whatever. That's good. Uh, number two, your social media posts might be used for bullying. You should also be concerned about how others may react to the stuff you share about your child on social media, whether your child cares about old photos and stories about them on social media. Others may be able to use that information to make fun of, insult, or even bully your child as he or she grows older. What's to stop a peer from sharing a photo that your child finds embarrassing with his or her own networks? What if that share catches on? It doesn't take much for a photo to go from an inside family joke to gossip fodder for an entire high school. Well, it goes on to say that to get a sense of how ruthless people can be, go on YouTube and find one of those channels of like little kids updating their own videos and just read some of the comments. Like it'll, yes, it'll give you like a sense of just how brutal people can be. Uh, Number three, social media messaging could impact your child's future. It's difficult, if not impossible, to control the information once it's posted online. You can't prevent anyone from taking a screenshot of your post and disseminating it beyond your reach. Your deleted posts, while apparently gone from your social media profile, may still live live on in Internet Archive websites and on social media servers themselves. With that in mind, you should consider how your photos and stories may impact your child when he or she is much older, even as an adult. I think one of the takeaways is like sometimes we forget that these things once posted, they they live on forever. Yes, right. They're going to be there. So uh, this is where it gets scary. Sharing puts your child at risk for digital kidnapping. Oh, boy. Digital kidnapping is a type of identity theft. It occurs when someone takes photos of a child from social media and repurposes them with new names and identities often claiming the child as their own. There have been numerous examples of this in recent years, including a 2015 incident in which a stranger took a photo of an 18-month-old baby, uh, 18-month-old boy from a mommy's blogger's Facebook page and posted it on her own Facebook profile, acting like it was her own son. Oh, my gosh. Your child's photos can also be kidnapped for baby role-playing, and it tells you you can find out what that's all about. So basically this concept that your photos... Uh, can be used for all sorts of different things that you wouldn't want them to be used for or would probably never think that they'd be used for. Well, I'm going to give this to you because this is helpful. I'm going to do this now. If you're unfamiliar with baby role-playing, search for hashtag baby RP or hashtag uh, adoption RP or kid RP on social media sites because baby role-players create accounts on social media sites to post stolen photos along with captions that give false details about the child in the photos. I had no idea this that's, was even a thing. That's scary. I I, I can read these things and I'm like, man, I'm so naive. Yeah, right. All right. Number five. This is the last one. Yeah. Uh, your social media post might attract dangerous people. Photos and videos of children shared by their parents on social media sometimes turn up on disturbing websites and forums. Some of them uh, dedicated to child pornography. In one instance, a natural mother tried to track down the identity of a stranger who had shared a photo of her daughter. She followed the photo to a page belonging to a man in China. And on that page, she discovered her photo along with a whole lot of other photos of little girls. That is scary, scary, man. And so the article ends by going, what to do if you are going to share your child on social media, share about your child on social media. It says, she, she goes, it's understandable to want to share about your family on social media. If yeah. you decide to share, try asking your children what they're comfortable with and take some precautions. Pay mm. close enough attention to your privacy settings. Choose your photos carefully and watermark the ones you post publicly. Ask friends and family to refrain from posting photos or videos of your child. Mm. And start involving your child in deciding what is appropriate to share with others. 
Those conversations can help ward off bad feelings in the future and are useful for preparing your child for living in the digital age. I think that's really helpful. Yeah, I would love to know what other people are doing. Like, is this what's your opinion? Is this too precautionary? Are we overthinking it? Are we underthinking it? Like Brian kind of admitted some of these things I'm kind of naive to. I'm new to being a dad still. So I'm like trying to navigate what even like what you're saying, what's sort of a helpful glimpse into like our actual lives and what is oversharing. Uh, yeah, I'd love to know what you guys think. Find us on Facebook, on Twitter, or the website, or just text us. Show up, show up mm-hmm. at our house. Just We'd love to just hear your thoughts. But I think it's actually something worth talking about and a conversation that I imagine we will continue to have as technology just sort of continues to take over the world. Mm-hmm. Well, coming up next, we are going to wrap up the show the way that we always do with some interweb insanity stuff from the Internet that our producers have found we've not read or seen before. So we're going to giggle and cry right along with you. <laughs> That's what's coming up next on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Here's some weird stuff we found on the Internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. Hey, friends. Welcome back to The Common Good. That crazy music can mean only one thing. And one thing only. One thing this means. That plane is landing. That See, I was trying so hard to not use that analogy. I was driving here trying to think of a better analogy. Okay, go for it. Oh, I didn't come up with that. <laughs> <laughs> I spent a lot of time thinking about it, but I do not have one. It did not come. I that's want to be- say it one more time. Oh, go ahead, John. Sorry, that's becoming such a prominent like phrase. Landing you, the plane? You said it like 30 minutes ago in a totally mm-hmm. different segment, too. That's, that's true. I yeah. mix metaphors is my love language. That's. Uh, <laughs> I do want to say, though, again, if you're just joining us, gardens to graveyards. Nope, graveyards to gardens. Oh, See, I did, did it. it. I did it at least once. The show. Ah, well, either way. Go find them. They were on the earlier half, the first hour of the show. Love those dudes. Get their music. Love them. Also, Interweb Insanity, here's how it works. Disclaimer is we've not read these stories. We've not seen them. We have no idea what the sound effects are. We read them sight unseen. Brian usually giggles. Ian usually shakes his head. And why don't you kick us off, good sir? Wildest thing we've ever seen. Oh, sorry. This is Canada. Wildest thing we've ever seen. Bear wanders into Alberta barbershop. It was a hot day in Slave Lake, Alberta on Wednesday. So Sam Asif left the door to his barbershop open to let the fresh air in. And then then a wild customer came into the Lion's Den barbershop. It's called Lion's Den barbershop. (laughs) I've never seen a bear in my life, he said. It happened inside my barbershop. How ironic. A bear is hanging out at the Lion's Den. Oh, Asif yeah. called 911, and while he says the small bear was harmless and no one was injured, it caused damage to his three-week-old barbershop. That's oh, it. Uh, he terrorized the place. He ruined my workstation. He defecated in my barbershop. It was a bad day for me, Asif said. Police told people taking pictures outside to stand back, and the bear eventually walked out. It was such a mess, but luckily, he never took down my clippers. Those are expensive tools. Hey, boo-boo, let's see what we got in this picnic basket. Yeah, that sounds about right. All right, Massachusetts, which, by the way, do you know what you call someone who's from Massachusetts? You know, I have, like, Michigander or Illinoisan. I do, but I might get in trouble for saying it. Oh, then don't say it. Okay. Bay- what were you going to go with? No, it's an official. They're called Bay Staters. Oh, okay. I'll uh, tell you later what it was. Gonna <laughs> <be>. <laughs> well, now I want to know what... Nah, don't say it. Okay, Massachusetts, man... Sparks fire on roof using Roman candles to kill hornets. Man, a lot of fire used for wrong purposes. A Massachusetts man sparked a fire on his family home's roof last week as he was trying to get rid of a pesky hornet's nest with a Roman candle. Dave Schmida of Sturbridge first tried using Raid. And that's a good idea. But that didn't work, so he decided to use a firework instead. Uh, A video taken by his brother Matthew shows Dave firing three shots toward the hornet's nest 
uh, nested in a corner of the roof on the third floor of their home. Uh, his first three shots missed, but the fourth hit his target, and the hornet's nest went up in flames. All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Please. <laughs> I mean, he did say at the end he did get rid of the bees, so I would say mission accomplished. There you go. Uh, my home state of New Jersey. America's uh, promised land. <laughs> TSA screeners find dagger hidden in walking cane. Passenger didn't know it was there. Oh, boy. A New Jersey woman who placed a walking stick on the conveyor belt as she passed through a security checkpoint at Newark Liberty International Airport on Tuesday had a long dagger concealed inside. The Fort Lee woman told agents she got the walking stick from a friend and didn't know the sword was inside, adding that she didn't think her friend knew it was there either. An x-ray machine in Terminal C uncovered the dagger. A TSA spokeswoman said agents encounter what they refer to as sword canes from time to time. very clever. If you purchase a walking stick or cane at a yard sale, garage sale, antique shop, or flea market, always twist the handle to see if it unscrews to reveal something inside. Mm. And yes, if it's a gift, do the same. Nice. That's a knife. You know, my cousin actually had one of these when we were growing up. We thought he was the coolest dude. That's he had a cane. Awesome. And he'd be like, hey, man, check it out. Shing! He just pulled it. It was like a whole full-length sword, actually. No he was like 12, walking around with the sword cane. All right, Canada. What do we call this? America's landlord. You said America's top hat. America's. Oh, I said that about Wisconsin. Oh, that's right. That's right. Boy, we are losing our marbles. Uh, Red Friday. Bull is paying $10 to Canadians who thought it would actually give them wings. Oh, stop it. I don't even want to read the rest of this. It would seem obvious that drinking Red Bull will not actually, quote, give you wings, as stated in the company's famous slogan, but those who felt misled by the energy drink advertising may be able to get some compensation for not experiencing enhanced performance after consuming the beverage. The company has agreed to pay $850,000 after settling a Canadian class action lawsuit filed by our hero of the day, Michael Attar, in February 2019. The case is based on similar U.S. class class action settlements filed in 2013 by a pair of consumers who claim that drinking Red Bull does not give give you, quote, wings or result in improved performance. This is the most blatant case of fraudulent advertising since my suit against the film The NeverEnding Story. (laughs) (laughs) Last one in Germany. A swastika ride shut down by German amusement park. A new ride at the Tatsmania amusement park in Black Forest in southwest Germany was shut down this week. For a design. Oh my gosh, look at that design. Oh no. That had nothing to do with safety. After a video of the Eagle's flight was posted online, people quickly pointed out that the ride's eagle-shaped cars are connected to the structure axis at the same angle that strongly resembles a swastika. A lot. The notorious symbol of Nazi Germany. After a social media backlash, the owners of the amusement park decided to close the ride immediately and redesign it together with the Italian manufacturer. The rest of the park's attractions will continue normal operations. Really, that's how we're going to end the week? What a note to end on. Is that how we were going to go into the weekend? Quick, get us out of this, Brian. (laughs) Graveyards to gardens. Listen to them. They were great. (laughs) Graveyards to gardens saving us yet once more. Well, it's been a fun week, man. Brian is Brian's in the driver's seat next week, so we're going to have a lot of fun. Join us from 4 to 6 p.m. each and every weekday. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. Thanks for hanging out with us. This has been The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Three 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.